what's up, everybody? On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're going to take some clips from past podcasts and put them all together surrounding one principle, win the hour. So we're going to hear from Justin Sua and Wally Joyner and Zach Erickson and Allie Bills and Kevin Nixon and, and some others and just put together a little conglomerate of all of the comments that they made around this really important core principle of win the hour with a little bit of commentary in between. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. All right, so we're going to lead off by listening to mental performance coach of the Tampa Bay Rays, Justin Sua. And Justin Sua is going to talk about what he's observed as he's worked with many, many professional athletes, the price that they actually pay, the many hours that they win in order to become great. Sometimes I think those of us who want to be great underestimate the sacrifice necessary in order to be great. And so he talks about this concept that we've taught to thousands of kids since we learned it from him of embracing the boredom of consistency. And so first, let's listen to Justin's words. This is incredible insight into the principle of winning the hour. When you see these athletes on television or you see their highlight films, what you don't see is all the blood, sweat and tears they put into it before they started to perform under the lights. All the all the failures they experienced, all of the injuries they had to overcome, all the hours and hours and hours they they embraced in order to perform at the extremely high level. And what's really interesting is a lot of people, especially youngsters, they under even adults. When you set a goal to be great at what you do, a lot of people underestimate how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. And to what to your point, what you just said, if you want to be excellent, if you want to be at the tip of the spear, upper echelon, you need to embrace the boredom of consistency. You need to know that it is going to be boring. It is going to be hard. You are going to have to do things when nobody is watching. And you got to ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price of, of achieving my goals, whatever it is, in school, in sports, in relationship? A lot of people set the goal or they want to commit to the destination without considering what it's going to take to get there. And so if you're going to set a high goal for yourself, that's great. But make sure you take into consideration the lifestyle that's required to achieve that goal. And I think that's where a lot of people end up tripping up. It's, it's, I've seen it many times after an NFL football game, players going back onto the field when the cameras are gone so they can work on their drills or work on their moves. I've seen baseball games end at midnight and players, baseball players setting up a tee and going in and continuing to hit over and over again. I've seen it snowing outside and players going outside to get extra work. Mom and dad didn't tell them to do it. Coaches didn't tell them to do it. 
They went out there to do it because that's what professionals do. There's a phrase that the Navy SEALs say, uh, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. And it comes down to your training. How much are you willing to work? And I think Kobe Bryant is, is one of the best examples that can't believe um, he's not with us anymore. But you just go back and read stories about his work ethic. Read about Kobe Bryant's work ethic. And people say that they thought they worked hard until they saw what Kobe Bryant did and or Michael Jordan or just the elite of the elite. They put in the work. They paid a price. And once again, I'll return back to that phrase. You have to be willing to embrace the boredom of consistency day after day. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. But you signed up for the hard road the moment you decided to commit to going after your dreams. All right. So at the beginning of the clip there, you heard him say that that oftentimes we underestimate the blood, sweat and tears that it takes to be great. One of the things that we love to do when we have accomplished athletes on our podcast is we like to ask them a question about what they've learned about the price of greatness. Now, what we've learned as we've asked that question is that at a young age, most of these people, they, they learned that the way to become great is to win the hour, to outwork people, to come up with a plan and to execute it. We could share many examples here, but we just wanted to share three examples with you. The first one is Tyler Haas. Listen to what Tyler Haas did when he when it clicked in his brain that he could become great at basketball. Listen to this routine that he had as a young person. Well, and, and to that point, Tyler, share with us some of the um, habits or routines that you maybe implemented uh, and, and I don't know if you started, you know, really buckling down your your habits and routines in junior high or high school, or w- was there a time where you realized, okay, I'm I'm pretty good. I think I have a a chance here. Um, and 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 when that was, what what would a typical morning or day or afternoon look like as far as as preparation for you that you think might might help a, a young man or woman listening to this? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, I remember being in, you know, fifth or fifth or sixth grade, I went to a BYU basketball camp and, um, and came out of it with, I I think I was the MVP of the camp. And it was the first time that, you know, I had put in some, some work and started getting in the gym, shooting in the backyard, just doing some simple things. And it was kind of the first time where I was like, wow, like I, I, I was the MVP of the camp. I, I've got a chance to be pretty good. And, and that success and motivation kind of became addicting to me. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to put together a plan because I, I want to do it again. I want to replicate this. And so my, you know, it, it, and it changed year to year, but, um, you know, from sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was, I was shooting a couple hours in the morning. And, you know, there were some days where I was trying to put up 500 shots. There were some days I was trying to put up 750 shots, you know, and I'd I'd write them out. I had a journal. I'd keep track of, you know, what I was, how many, how many shots I was making on a certain drill. And, and then I'd try and beat it the next morning. Um, So, but I, 
so I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here, but I, I, I'd shoot for two hours. I'd go home, eat breakfast, um, you know, hang out, do my chores. And, and then I'd go back to the gym and I'd dribble. I'd dribble for an hour, had a, a big routine, a dribbling routine. And then I'd try and get, uh, try and get guys together in the afternoon and play one on one, two on two, three on three. And, um, and, and then you know, when I got into high school, I, I added in, you know, lifting in the afternoon. And so by, you know, you get to the end of the day and you, know, you, you put in, you know, five, six hours of work and, um, I think the, those hours in the gym just started compounding over and over and that really the success I saw became addicting and made me want to do more and, and find areas where I could really improve and, and get better. And so, um, it, it those, that, that was the fun part, the journey of trying to figure out, Hey, how can I, how can I get to the next level? How can I, how can I get better? And, and really that fueled my, my confidence in games and on the court and on my teams. That's amazing to think that he would get out a journal, that he would, he would get up 500 shots a day and then do a dribbling routine after that. So a lot of people want to be as great as Tyler Haas, but they don't want to do what's required. Okay. Listen for the same tone in major league baseball player, Peyton Henry. So he's going to describe as a young person what it was like for him and what he would do to become a draft pick and eventually break into the major leagues with the Florida Marlins. So here's Peyton Henry describing his youth. So I was a normal kid from from Pleasant Grove, Utah. Like I wasn't I wasn't very athletic. You know, I played a lot of sports, but I wasn't very athletic. I just kind of kept playing because I loved it and fell in love with baseball in high school and. Once, once I hit high school, I just, I turned the jets on and, you know, didn't look back. So yeah, it, it's taken a lot from me, man. It's taken, it's taken a lot of my time. It's taken a lot of, a lot of effort. It's taken a lot of mental capacity to, to definitely get to where, you know, I am right now. So, um, it's, I mean, it's the truth. Like people always, people always ask like, yeah, what does it take? What do you, what do you have to do? And, and you have to outwork everybody. And every single guy that's at this level will say the same thing. You have to outwork everybody. You know, there's always going to be somebody better than you. There's always, there's always only one best in the world, right? So unless you're that guy, there's always somebody better than you. So I took that to heart and I just, I just kept pushing forward and, and tried my best to, you know, to perfect my craft. And that's, that's about it. But yeah, it, it took a lot, man. It took, you know, it took a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears. And, you know, that's, there's no truer statement than that. And, you know, it's just, it takes, it takes it out of you sometimes, but it's also very, it's a very cool experience to do because, you know, you're striving for something greater than yourself, in my opinion. Peyton, that's awesome. I, I do wonder sometimes um, if you could give us a little peek into what it was like. So what did a day look like for Peyton Henry in high school? I didn't have the greatest set routine and I wish I would have, but I, I mean, as a kid in high school, I didn't know that. I didn't know really what that routine meant either. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I had to do certain things every single day to be able to get better. That's all I knew. So typical day for me in high school was, you know, wake up and, and go to school every other day. You know, we'd have a, we'd have like a team, a little team lift or, you know, 
team something, team practice in the morning. So we wake up at six o'clock and do that and then, and then go to school. And I kind of made it, I kind of made it a thing with my dad that we were going to hit out lunch every day. And if we didn't hit out lunch every day, we were going to hit, you know, we were going to hit after practice or we were going to hit or do fielding or whatever it is that we were doing at least one or two more times during that day. So I was, I was an absolute baseball junkie back, like back in high school. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. It was like we had practice and I would stay two hours, two hours after practice most of those days and just be hitting in the cage or if something didn't feel right to me. I wanted to get it fixed right then and right there. That was kind of, that's kind of a little bit of my perfectionist mindset. And, you know, some of it could have been, some of it definitely could have been detrimental for the, but for the most part, like, I think that was a key to, to me evolving and, and learning what my body was doing and learning what I needed to do to get, you know, to, to fix something or to get to where I wanted to be. So, yeah, it's, I mean, practice is definitely the bare minimum in, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably the best guy to talk to about that. Cause I just, I was at the freaking high school baseball field more than I was at my own house. You know, me and my dad spent more time over there and more time in a cage than I did in my own, in my own house. I mean, I used to remember telling my dad, um, Hey, I'm going to go, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with some friends on a Friday night and I'd get dressed up and I think I was going to hang out with friends and he'd come over and find me hitting in the cages just cause that's how, that's how much I loved it. You know, and I didn't want him to think that like I was overdoing it. So, so I dressed up and act like, you know, going out and doing whatever I was doing and then just right to the high school. So, uh, every, but I mean, it made it easy because everybody knew where to find me. Any of my friends, if I wasn't answering my phone, I was there. I was in the cage. So it definitely was, it definitely, you know, my, my routine was kind of all over the place in terms of what happened during the day, but I did know that I had to do extra and that I wanted to do extra. Because I knew, you know, just just going to practice and doing that, I, I wasn't I wasn't going to be able to get anywhere with it. All right. Now, finally, this is Eric Weddle. Now he's a professional at this point, but he attributes his 13 year Pro Bowl, probably Hall of Fame career, to this concept of winning the hour and outworking people. Listen to him describe what he would do when he was playing professional football. If you really want to play, you can play. The only thing's holding you back is is doing the work. And that's really what separates the good and the great ones. The ones that are willing to do it and the other ones that do the minimum. And it's no different at the highest levels, right? The reason I played for as long as I did and had as much success I did as an individual one, there are a number of reasons. One is I outworked everybody, it, not only on my team, but when I stepped on that field, everyone across from me, I knew I outworked them. I knew that nobody in the league was getting up at 5 a.m., working out, rehabbing, eating, meetings, working out again after practice, meetings, then at the end of the night, rehabbing and working out again. And then watching film by myself till eight o'clock at night, eight thirty, and getting home and my kids are asleep. I hadn't even seen them all day. There was nobody, nobody doing that. So on, I I had to leg up on that on the competition immediately just because I outworked them. Right. So so 
to say that, oh, I was just talent. My talent was better than everyone. Well, I, yeah, I am talented, but I outworked every single person in there. I put in more into my profession than anybody else because I wanted to be great. I wanted to make the most of this opportunity because at the end of the day, I'm living my dream out. Well, those are three guys that are not slackers. That's for sure. And they, they understand the principle of win the hour. Now, we are definitely not implying that sports is the most important thing in the world. The principle of win the hour, it applies to all principles of life. If you want to be a great student, then you need to attack academics like these guys attacked their sport. If you want to be great at anything in life, in business, parenting, whatever it is, you have to be willing to do things that other people don't do. We love the word extraordinary, right? And that word is the combination of two words, extra and ordinary. If you want to be great, you have to do extra. You can't just do what's ordinary. You have to be extraordinary in order to accomplish extraordinary things. And so just think through those things. I mean, a junior high young man that was that was mapping out his goals and and writing down how his shots went and trying to beat it the next day and putting in all that work with that intentional design. You had uh, you had a, a young man in high school who was literally telling his parents, I'm going out to hang out with my friends because he was worried to think that they would think that he was being unbalanced in his life and he would be at the cage hitting. He would take his high school lunches and instead of flirting with girls or doing whatever, he would go hit with his dad. You have Eric Weddle who would be there hours before any of his professional teammates arrived. There is a cost for being great. It's extraordinary effort. And so when the hour, that principle, what, what it is designed to do is to help us decide, okay, what do I really want to be great at in my life? And then being intentional with the way we use our time. So this next clip is also from Justin Sua, and he talks about living a life on purpose and with purpose. By design, by design instead of by default. Listen to this clip. One thing we we talk about in our in our industry is there's eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in the day, eighty six thousand four hundred. It doesn't matter what grade you're in. It doesn't matter what sport you play. Doesn't matter what country you live in. Doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. What you look like. Everyone is given. 86,400 seconds a day. And what separates the best from the rest, or even the best version of you from the worst version of you, is how you decide to use those seconds. And they go by fast. They go by so quick. You're inviting these youth, you're inviting these parents, you're inviting anyone involved in your program to do what they do on purpose, with purpose, to live a life by design and not by default. Because if you don't plan your day, if you don't plan to go 16 to no, the default mechanism is we're a creature. We want the easy way. Chances are, if you're listening to this and you're a teenager, you've asked your teacher, what's the least amount I have to do to get an A? What's the, le what's the least amount I have to do? Hey, coach, can we do something so we don't have to condition? What can we do to take it? It's like, we want the easy route. We're cutting corners. We're not touching the line. And that's not what elite people on elite athletes or humans do. It's embracing the difficult thing. It's leaning into the hard thing 
because that's what's going to set you apart, not just set you apart from others, but get you inch you closer and closer to the best version of yourself. So that's a great question to ask ourselves there. Are we living a life by design or by default? Now, Zach Erickson, we had him on and we were talking about this concept of win the hour. He is the head football coach of Snow College uh, and one of the best junior college football programs in the entire country. And he was talking about how when young people come to him, it often takes them a semester or so to get into a routine that they could be successful. And he talks about what they could do to help them get in that routine. Our hope is that we'll listen to this. And instead of thinking, okay, I'm glad a coach does that. And we are glad coaches do that. But as parents and coaches, we can think, what can we do right now to help our children establish these routines of winning the hour so that they're ready for success? Listen to Coach Erickson here. Here's what your day should look like as a college athlete, as a high-level college athlete, right? Probably you're waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, to be at your early morning lifts. From there, you should go straight to breakfast. You need to eat. You need to fuel your body. From there, you're going to be in class for the next four, three to four hours. Then you're back in the building um, for practice or for meetings um, at two o'clock or treatment in the training room. Make sure you get back for treatment before meetings. Um, then after that, you know, make sure you have dinner plans. Um, and then you're going to be in, depending on what group you're in, your two hour study hall. And by that time, it's nine o'clock at night. And really, you should go try to get your eight hours of sleep to be able to do it all over again. And, and a lot of times, uh, we tell them there's going to be things that you're going to have to give up if you want to perform athletically, academically, and even socially, right? We're not telling you you can't have a social life, but you have to understand what's going to take priority in that. And as you make those decisions, you will see the benefits or the, the repercussions of your choices. Um, and so we really try to set them up for success initially, ultimately they have to make those choices, right? We can't hold their hands 24-7. We wish we could. Um, we just don't have have those resources down here. But I think once the light comes on, and usually it takes these guys about a semester, the light will come on most of the time, and they'll understand, oh, hey, what coach or what Mrs. Shoppy was saying is exactly right. And if I do those things, then I can be successful. And then guess what? By Friday afternoon, I can go out and hang out with my friends on Friday and Saturday because I've taken care of my business all week. Um, yeah. If not, you spend all day Saturday, all day Sunday trying to catch up, and, and that's not fun. All right. So those clips, they dealt a lot with like the physical side, the working really, really hard. But there is one other aspect that one of our guests, Major League Baseball All-Star Wally Joyner, he taught us that's more of the mental side of winning the hour in sports. And he talks about his first manager, Gene Mock, and some advice that he gave him in regard to winning the hour that doesn't have to do necessarily with waking up early, pumping iron, you know, getting in all those cuts or all those shots or whatever it might be. But it's actually something that every athlete can do and that maybe some don't do enough of because they have talent, especially those who are talented, they may do less of what Wally Joyner encourages us to do than others because they're doing well with what they have. And so 
One last clip on Win the Hour from Wally Joyner and one more way to do it. Here's the clip. You know, I'm a big believer in uh, playing the game the right way, learning how to play the game the right way. My manager that year was an old school manager. His name was Gene Mock. Uh, he was a no-nonsense guy. He looked at me and he said, son, you're having a great a great start to this uh, season and to your career. And he said, son, if you ever come to the ballpark thinking that you know everything about this game, it's probably time to pack up and not play anymore because if you don't have room to learn the game and watch the game and improve the, your game every day, you're not going to improve and you're not going to be helpful. So I took that to heart and I truly believe that. You can learn something every game by watching. Uh, you can't learn anything when you're talking and when you're not watching. Well, we hope you enjoyed that trip down memory lane and us taking all of those clips from past podcasts and putting them together in relation to the concept of winning the hour. This is a concept that we feel very strongly about. We know that if we decide where we want to get and then we make a plan to get there and then we are tenacious about getting there, whether it's in sports or academics or business or families and parenting relationships, that if we win the hour and we design our life instead of living a life by default, then we could get way more out of life and accomplish the things we hope to do. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Eyes up, do the work. This has been the Sport Life Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.